Hello, this is episode 19 of Sweepers and Reapers. I'm Rachel. (laughs) I'm Angel. Hi, Angel. How are you? I am fantastic. I had COVID, but I don't have COVID anymore. So we can only go up Recovered gang, bro. Yeah. So that's where we were. If you saw my cute little Instagram post, I hope you and en- you all enjoyed it. There was clearly like a lot of time spent on <laughs> on that one. It was very cute. I super liked it. When I had asked you like, "Hey, should we put something up just to be like this is what it is?" Um I definitely wasn't expecting you to put like, not that I wasn't expecting you to put effort in, but I just wasn't expecting that. Like, I don't know. It was just fucking adorable and wholesome. And I was just expecting, like, a sup, fam, I'm sick. But you were like, nah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw some fucking glitter on that bitch. And it was awesome. Shout out to the person who made that because I did not make that. You didn't make I that? I was being sarcastic earlier. No, I just Googled, like, Baby Yoda with Lysol. <laughs> oh, no, bro. I'm so disappointed. That's so upsetting. It honestly, so sorry to the fans. I know you guys were really rooting for me here, but that simply was not me. Those were just, that's just my, you know, my supreme Googling skills. All 12 of our fans as well. We have <laughs> like 110, I believe. Is that, is that what it is? I haven't checked in a while. I think our highest follower count was 112, and uh, those people left. Those two people. Uh, <laughs> those hope two they, people. Maybe they got their Instagrams yeeted like I did. <laughs> hope they're living the dream without us. Like, what, whatever took them away, I, I hope they're living their best life right now. <laughs> Me too. Um, that was so ominous. Whatever took them away. Whatever, um, <laughs> whatever led them, you know, off of our path yeah uh so yeah angel had covid but obviously she's better now (laughs) um thank you guys so much for understanding it's definitely like i know how much i haven't had covid personally as far as i know but i know how much of an ass kicker it is so i definitely wanted angel to take her time coming back to the podcast that's also just like my mom energy i feel like Virgo energy. Your Venus is in Cancer, right? <laughs> What'd you say? Your Venus is in Cancer, right? <laughs> yes, it is. There you go. That's that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want everyone that I care about to be happy. That's the Cancer Venus curse, I guess. Um Or just, you know, basic human empathy, but we can talk about the stars. That that can be <laughs> that can be it. <laughs> I always, I'd prefer to blame it on them for everything, ever. But we're back this week and we have a case. Angel is going to spearhead this one. I know we had talked about in our last episode of me doing the uh, Ted Bundy book that's written by his ex-girlfriend. I almost said fiance, but then, like, I don't think they were ever engaged. When I finished that book, I personally felt like there wasn't a lot of content to like make a full-blown episode about it um not one that i would like be proud of (laughs) anyway 
So if y'all still want that, I guess we could do like a little tiny thing on it. Maybe like at the end of an episode or something. Let us know. Um, But it's not a whole lot. It's not like a whole episode's worth. I just moved my cup if you heard that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I just wanted to like say that disclaimer before because I know we talked about that and someone that knows me or one of us would be like you guys said you were gonna do something else so (laughs) disclaimer um yeah angel picked a case and i'm really excited because i love when angel picks a case because for some reason i think angel's one of the funniest people ever but in like a really unique way like if you know her you know you know what i mean (laughs) oh my goodness Um, I'm gonna cry. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited because I love when you I love when you do them. It's great. And I found a plugin that uh, is supposed to make our voices sound better. I fucked around with it before the episode and it definitely does make our voices sound better. So also let us know (laughs) what you think of the production (laughs) on this episode, because it's all done in-house by yours truly. All right. Today, I have a missing persons case for you. And I think we've briefly discussed this, like, you know, one-on-one, that missing persons cases are the the cases that really get to me because just, you know, like, where are these people? What happened to them? You so, do love a missing persons case, not like love, yeah. but like they are the ones that make your brain tick the most. The ones for like, me are always like it's very fucked up but i like get intrigued by people who get away with murder for so long and like psychopathy and like all that you're gonna love this case oh my god okay okay i'm so excited (laughs) okay so (laughs) this case is from 1989 it is the disappearance of karen ann spencer she went missing in Miami Township, Ohio on December 29th of 1989. So she was 17 and a senior in high school. She had a job as a waitress at a place called Frisk's Restaurant, and she was just three weeks away from her 18th birthday. Oh, and no, she that's would always be... so sad when it's like right around a birthday. Also, I don't know if her family celebrated Christmas, but right after Christmas, too, if they did, December 29th. Yeah, well, that's also right before our New Year's as well. Like, yeah, I can imagine that was really hard going to a new year without your loved one. Sweepers and Reapers podcast. We, we let you know what the holidays are and, and when they happen. We know when holidays are, TM. Put it on a t-shirt. But yeah, so she would be 49 years old today. Gotcha. So... On December 29th, 1989, Karen was in the car with her then-sister-in-law, Christy Spencer. Karen was driving Christy's car, and they were driving along Interstate 275 in Miami Township, Ohio. So, it's said at this point in her life, Karen was going through kind of like a rebellious phase and had a problem with alcohol, so much so that her dad enrolled her in an alcohol treatment program, oh, and wow. Karen refused to stay in it. I gotta say, that's very uh, progressive for that time, for her dad to just like, you know, get her yeah. help like that. I feel like back then, especially if you were a child... That wasn't 
the norm. So that's cool that he did that. It sucks that she didn't go. Um, is there anything else about her upbringing? Like, do you, that? No. Wow. That's the worst. The upbringing says it all, always. I feel like, and you'll see later, I feel like she had a really supportive family, though. Because, like yeah. you said, in, yeah. Like, that's, also, part that's of me, awesome. Part of me once, like, wonders, you know, was the alcohol problem that bad? Or did she just have really supportive parents who were like, hey, you're a minor, let's fix this, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's like you just said, when you're a minor, alcohol, an alcohol problem, I guess, would be more prevalent than, you know, like, if you're 25 and you get drunk a few times a week, it's a bit different than, like you said, being 17. Um, I can't, I, I was about to, like, go into my whole life experience. (laughs) Um, I definitely drank a lot when I was 17. And looking back on it, some, now that we're, like, having this discussion, I'm like, did I have a problem? So it's very cool that her parents were just like, nah, let's get you help. Let's talk about this. Because usually as a teenager, there's always something there, you know, that makes you drink. I, like, didn't finish that sentence. Cool, Rachel. (laughs) You're good. Uh, That got dark. I'm guessing that Karen was still struggling with this when she went missing question mark because you said she wasn't really trying I, to go to those uh classes or the program yeah, whatever she it was. refused to go um and being a 17 year old girl you know instead of being like hey i should probably do this thing that's good for me uh she actually told her dad that she did not want to live at home with him anymore and he eventually agreed to let her move in with her brother wow how, uh, yeah, so what she, was the age difference? So the age of her brother wasn't on anything that I read and I didn't look into it, but he is married. So I could imagine like probably older than 20 something. Yeah. When you said it was, uh, her then sister-in-law, that kind of made me feel like sh- there was an age difference, but he could have been like, I don't know, 21 or something. People used to get married young, but that's still, it's definitely a lot. You know, when you're 16 and you have a sibling as well that's 21, I feel like 16, at least in my experience, is kind of the age where you start to be like, oh, shit, my sibling is a person and they're not just like (laughs) this thing my parents gave me to mess with. You know what I mean? Like, you start to see them as not a little kid. So it makes me wonder what their relationship was like. I mean, obviously good enough that they live together, but... Siblings always get into fuck shit together. That's kind of the name of the game. I'm sure you know. I'm when you just mentioned like the whole age thing and realizing your sibling is a person, I'm the youngest, so I've never experienced that. I guess like people experience that with me. Now they're like, "Oh, she's Yeah. I think you'll see it with your nephew for sure. Like mm-hmm. it's you know, you're not siblings, but I've seen that with like I'm the oldest person, you know, and with all my cousins and stuff like that and i have two little brothers so it's been really interesting to see my family members like grow up into real people um tangent (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so her brother's name is curtis spelled c-u-r-t-i-double-s 
and I just want to say Curtis. shout out to Curtis. I love the spelling of that. I love Curtis Connor. Curtis, if you're he's, listening, he's a homie. Um, that's funny. It sounds like he's a snake, Curtis. <laughs> um, but yeah, so her dad eventually agreed to let her move in with her brother and her sister-in-law. So Karen moved into the couple's apartment and only lived about 20 minutes away from her father's home. Okay. And was she still in high school? Uh, yeah, she was a senior in high school. Okay. So Curtis and Christy had plans to move to Florida within the following month. And Karen was all set to move with them. Like, everything's good. Everything's fine. All three of them, they're set to move to Florida. And she was, like, excited and looking forward to move to Florida? Yeah. Okay. From what I gathered, yeah, she was completely cool with moving to Florida. I probably would be, too, like, right after graduating high school. Just, like, you know, breath of fresh air. I was going to say something about the DCP, but uh, we we talk too much about Disney <laughs> on this podcast. So You're I'll, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it rest. Um, so on the night of Karen's disappearance, Karen's father, Richard, and his wife, Diane, were watching Christy's baby while Christy, Curtis, and Karen got prepared for their move. So Christy was helping Karen do some packing when she broke some pretty serious news to Karen. Are you are you ready for this, Rachel? I'm ready. I'm sitting down. So apparently, Christy and Curtis were having relationship problems, and Christy was planning on leaving Curtis and not moving to Florida with them at all. Wow. Um, yeah. When was she planning on telling him that? That's kind I of a big secret. Yeah, and I wonder how close they were, because from what I gathered later on, I think Karen was the first person that Christy told about this, so they must have been pretty close. Oh, wow. And it's also potentially, like, maybe she confided in her because she had lived with the couple, you know, and, like, seen... When you live with people, especially people in a relationship, you definitely see the inner workings of, like not only each person's mind but like the relationship as a whole so maybe mm-hmm. that's why because like karen would have known yeah stuff i don't know but also that's a lot to put on a 17 year old especially when she hasn't told her husband yet you know that's a lot mm-hmm I, I assume that she hadn't told him yet because later on there's some there's like a big deal with her seemingly like not wanting to tell other relatives so i assume that curtis didn't know but maybe he did maybe it was one of those things where it's like all right we're getting separated we'll slowly tell everyone i gotcha i don't know maybe she was just the first person like outside of the relationship that got told yeah gotcha so if you remember they were in christy's car and karen was driving Uh, So all of this conversation happened while they were doing some packing. And then in between that time and this time, they are in a car around 3 a.m. And the two of them got into a heated argument about the move. So Karen's driving and she becomes so angry that she decides to pull off over to the side of the road. And she completely gets out of the car. So Christy tries to get Karen to get back into the vehicle, but instead karen just walked away down the highway and this is what christy is saying this is her story yes 
Okay. So, I guess my first question would be, like, I don't... I don't understand why a 17-year-old girl who is seemingly, as far as we know, well-adjusted, like, yeah, she has the alcohol issue, whatever, but it doesn't make sense to me that she would just get out of the car at 3 a.m. on the side of a highway. I don't know how big of a highway this is, but a main road, nonetheless, at 3 in the morning when it's december so it's very dark like that doesn't really make They're sense in ohio to me. so it might have been snowing that too it does snow a lot there but that's just odd and that's a very convenient story like oh she got mad and stormed off because uh, as we know a lot of these missing persons cases involving teenagers they get labeled as upset in some sort of way and that they ran away in a lot of cases uh by law enforcement and it really hinders investigation sometimes so to me it's very interesting that she's at least in like my opinion she's kind of laying the framework for that mentality i just said in my opinion in my eye like twice (laughs) allegedly allegedly um (laughs) So my observation here is just that this was before people had cell phones. Like I doubt Karen had a cell phone. And oh yeah, the cell phones that it's probably did, unlikely. Yeah, the ones that did exist did not have flashlights on them. So you bringing up how dark it was, like she is getting out into probably complete darkness. It's probably freezing as well. I didn't think about that until now. December in Ohio is pretty cold. So it's, there's just, you know, perhaps she was really that upset. I read something that said that maybe she was this upset because she wanted to go to Florida and thought maybe this would prohibit her or not prohibit, hello, inhibit her from going to Florida. So Mm -hmm. thinking from like a 17 year old's mindset, it's like, oh, like you just ruined everything. I thought I was, I thought I was going to get out of this town. I mean, maybe if it's, like, summer and not three in the morning. Yeah. Like, I would want to follow that story, but I don't know. It's cold. It's dark. She doesn't have a cell phone. It's not like she can get out of the car and, like, wait somewhere, you know, and be like, hey, come pick me up. Like, and I'm obviously unfamiliar with this area where she went missing, so I don't know if there was a way she could have, like, walked to somewhere and used a phone or something. I don't know. But it's like, who would she have even called at 3 a.m.? It's a lot. But already, I find this sus. Christy here is clearly not having the greatest of evenings. And she decides to get into the driver's seat. And she's just hanging out there off the side of the interstate for a little bit, trying to figure out what she should do next. And that's when a man driving a red sports car pulls up and asks if she needs help. Christy declined the offer by waving him off okay so a dude at the same time just happens to pull up and be like hey what's up yeah it's like hey what's up do you guys need help and christy is like nah skedaddle huh okay so red car guy leaves (laughs) noted and christy just sits there on the side of the road for a little bit I guess, expecting for Karen to eventually come back to the car and for them to be on their way. 
So it's like she's giving Karen time to cool off, go walk down the side of the highway, and then it's like, yeah, she's, she's going to come back to the car. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was something that she'd done before, I guess. Like, if they fought enough where she knew to, you know, just be like, okay, relax, I'll be back. Yeah. Also, like, we talked about how dark it was and how cold it was and where they were. Maybe Christy was like, I'm just... I'm right, like, I know she'll come back, it's freezing. Down. Yeah. Because this is a missing persons case, I get you can probably guess that that did not happen. Karen did not come back to Christy's car. Christy decided to start driving slowly up the highway to look for Karen. And I'm not quite sure how long she did this, but she did not find her. And this is when Christy decided to head back to Karen's father's house. She arrived at his house at around 3.30 a.m. with the intention to pick up her son. Because remember, they were watching her kid while the other half of the family was getting ready to move to Florida. So Christy comes into the house hysterically crying, but would not explain to them what was wrong. And when Richard asked her where Karen was, she told him that Karen was back at home at their apartment. Huh. Why, Christy? Yeah, why would she say that? Okay. Like, (laughs) That's weird. I understand being scared and not knowing what to do in this situation, but I don't know. It's like, it's not like you just lost this man's seven-year-old, right? Like, she's 17. She got out of the car by herself. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Hey, man, I'm crying right now because your daughter just got out of my car and walked away and now I can't find her. We should call the police. So... Yeah. This is where, like, the whole separation secret, I feel, maybe comes into play. And like we said, Christy might have been the first person to know about it, other than, you know, like, between the couple. Because, like, maybe you're afraid that the family will want to know what the two of you were arguing about, and you don't want them to know that you're planning on leaving their son. But, I don't know, it's just like, you can, if you're going to lie about someone walking away and not being found... You can you can lie about the reason why you two were arguing, you know? Yeah, it's really odd for her to say that she was back at the apartment when she really had no idea where she was. So I'm not sure how long it took for the family to finally hear the truth, but they did. And once they did, they contacted the Miami Township Police to report Karen is missing. And at first, like we talked about earlier, the detectives thought they were just dealing with the typical upset runaway teenager, you know, as detectives often do. Especially uh, back they, then. I feel like that was yeah. a very stereotypical way to look at cases like this. But they started to piece things together and quickly realized that that was most likely not the case here. Karen only had $7 with her. She left all of her belongings in Christie's car, and she left two paychecks waiting to be picked up from the restaurant that she worked at. So, okay, yeah, I she, remember being seventeen and like working, and you you definitely don't go anywhere without picking up your paychecks, you know, like so that's that's definitely a red flag, especially and all her belongings are in the car when she was you know planning on moving. You definitely need your your belongings. If you're planning to move. I want to know what they meant by belongings in the car. Maybe just like everything she was carrying on her at the time. Right, like her person. Yeah, I never quite figured out like, were they on the way to Florida? Why? Like, it just said that 
all of her belongings were left in Christie's car. She got out. She had her wallet with her. It had $7, and that was all she had. And Christy knew she had $7? That is a really good uh, observation, my friend. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, apparently Christy knew that Karen only had $7 on her. That's weird. But, that is weird. But, uh, okay, Christy. Interviews started taking place, and when detectives interviewed Christy, she told them the story that I just told you, including the detail about the man in the red sports car. From what I understand, they did not reach out to him for an interview. He saw that Karen was missing through the local news, and he came forward, telling oh, detectives Oh, so he's real? That, yes. Okay, he, I did not think real, this dude was real. <laughs> a real man with a real red car. Okay, okay, uh, cool. <laughs> He told detectives that he had also been on that highway that night and he thought he might have seen Karen. So okay. remember, Christy said that he came up to her vehicle and asked her if she needed help, in which she waved him away. And that was his appearance in her story. Yes. The story that this man told detectives was completely different. He said that he had pulled over because he saw their car and believed it to be broken down, and that's when he saw a woman walking away from the car. Then he said that Christy got out of the vehicle and proceeded to walk over to his, where she then told him all about the argument she just had with her sister-in-law and asked him if he would give her a ride home, to which I guess he said no. But then supposedly proceeded to drive around the area for 10 minutes to look for Karen himself. Why could she not? Did Karen take her keys or something? Like, was that not her own car? Why could she See, not drive home? That's a really good question. I have a lot of questions. He wasn't the only one who came forward when the news of Karen's disappearance broke, though. A woman who lived near where Karen was last seen walking away from the car contacted detectives and said that she was outside around the time of Karen's disappearance and that she heard a woman screaming. Oh, no, that's that's never good. It could have been either of them, but that's never good. Detectives performed polygraph exams on both Christy and the man with the red sports car, and both of them passed. Oh, that's weird. With their separate stories. I mean, we know now that, you know, polygraphs don't mean a whole lot. Like, you yeah. can just be super nervous and fail one. Um, but that makes me scared of Christy a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, how? <laughs> Whatever you're doing to not be nervous. Because I don't believe her. That's the thing. So far. So based on everything you told you me. You're, you're not team Christy, Christy right now. I'm oh, wait, not team Christy. Team, are you team sports car guy? Oh, wait. If as you had to pick a team. If I had to pick, I don't know enough about wait, Christy I'm to say, I'm like... I'm confused. I think we're talking about different different types of teams oh, here. Oh, okay, okay. Who, who do you not believe? I don't believe Christy. Okay. Because so, he's, like, the sports car man is saying he saw her walking away from the car. And usually, I, I like to give police departments the benefit of the doubt in the questions that they're asking you know, people in interviews. So I feel like he had more of like an, un at least from what you, you, has been presented, 
feel like he might have had a more of an unbiased opinion, and he also saw Karen walking away. But I also don't know why Christy would be asking him for a ride. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. That's, you know, I was confused about that. Yeah. So I don't know. And each of their stories, like, I feel like you can't really Venn diagram them. There's not a lot of similarities other than that they saw each other. Yeah, because Christy was able to drive back to Karen's parents' house. Right, so. right. She did end up getting in her car and driving home. So I don't know why she would ask him for a ride, why she would want to leave her car there. I mean, maybe she would want to leave her car there hypothetically in case Karen, you know, mm-hmm. came about came to her senses and wanted to drive home but then like that way you're still leaving your car with the keys in it on the side of a road i don't know none of it adds up but i'm sure we won't get any clarity either so privately detectives admitted that they thought karen was dead but this was not released to the public and at this point they were still open to exploring any possibilities that could lead to finding her and I just thought that, like, like I know this kind of stuff goes on with missing persons cases, but this just made me really sad that, like, detectives were sitting somewhere or standing. I don't know. I don't know what they do. <laughs> but, like, they Squatting. were like, yeah, so we're looking at this case and we think this 17-year-old girl is dead. It's just really sad, you know? That is sad. That's never, like, a fun case to investigate, I would imagine, either. Like, you know... Having no hope. Speaking of hope, though, Karen's family did not give up hope, and they spent hours looking for her on both sides of the interstate, but their search came up empty. They decided? Hello? They decided. (laughs) The interstate, was it, like, were were there woods around, or did she just, like, run off into a field somewhere? That's a good question, because in my mind, immediately, I think of kind of, like, Florida- interstates yes which one you're on there are woods but usually like the main one right the big boys there's you know it's just open eventually you're gonna get to a field or woods but like to get there like you're like there's some work that you're putting into that yeah and also to not get hit by a car yeah um i just know if it's like a smaller kind of highway in ohio i could definitely see it being like a more you know rural maybe not rural but like woods (laughs) just woods (laughs) yeah i would say that we could look it up on google earth but this was 89 so i'm sure that the area has been like there's been development that would change the way it looks 30 years 40 years yeah So Karen's family decided to stop speaking to Christy after months went by and there was no progress made on the case, which I completely get because it's like you have two people who were given polygraphs about their daughter's disappearance and both of them passed with Christy being one of them and Christy like also leaving their son. Not that, you know, she should be demonized for leaving a relationship. It's just kind of, you know thing stack and the family is obviously going through this traumatic thing with their daughter going missing so yeah and with her being a person of interest in the case i think a lot of times law enforcement will tell the families like hey don't talk to them or if you talk to them do xyz you know stuff like that so that makes sense to me and with her being you know 
she's not really helping the investigation at this point i can definitely see why they would kind of stop talking to her that does suck though because she is the mother of their grandkid so that's a bummer In 1993, so four years after Karen's disappearance, they decided to move to a different area of Ohio. So her family moved from Reading, Ohio to Westchester, Ohio. And this is so sad, Rachel. Um, This was obviously in the times of home phones. And Karen's parents made sure to set up call forwarding from their old number to their new number, just in case Karen tried to call them one day. That's so sad. Yeah. They're paying for two numbers at that point. Is that how call forwarding works? Well, if they want to keep the old number, like, I'm pretty sure you have to pay something on that. You know, because otherwise, if you get a new number, they give the old one to someone else eventually. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. They wouldn't give that number to someone and then, like, forward. Yeah. So they, yeah, they did have two phone numbers. Right. Oops. Um, (laughs) It's okay. I mean, back then, that was, like, pretty common. Like, a lot of people would have, like, two lines in their house and stuff like that. I remember Full House when there was, like, a battle for DJ to get her own line. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda had her own phone line at one point, I think. Did she really? That's kind of awesome. Yeah. uh, I'm jealous. That's Angel's (laughs) sister for those who are unaware. Shout out to Amanda. (laughs) Um, yeah, home phones. I, I was going to say, like, I I would like to bring them back, but I, they, they should probably stay where they're at. I appreciate the aesthetic, though. Yeah, they're a cute aesthetic, maybe as, like, decoration at this point, but that's about it. Do you remember those Bratz phones that it was, like, their mouth? Kinda? I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. We'll post a picture somewhere, probably. We'll post it with this episode. (laughs) um or or probably not i feel like people are probably <laughs> completely fine without seeing uh like my most wanted christmas list item in 2004 we're we're all good yeah so they forwarded all of the phone calls to their new line uh but they only did that for three years and they canceled the call forwarding in 1996 which again breaks my heart because it's yeah. just like that loss of hope where for three years, they're like, okay, we're going to do this if she calls, yeah, you know. Just like that, you know, acceptance definitely is a bummer. I mean, obvi- it, it's part of the grieving process for them, I'm sure, because I feel like at a certain point, you kind of just have to operate like your loved one is dead. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. I don't know how you would deal with that otherwise, but that does suck. Diane called detectives once a week just to check in and see if there were any new leads on the case, and there was hardly ever anything new to discuss. And again, this just makes me sad to think, like, that once a week phone call. Being like, hey guys, is there anything? Just reminding you, like, she's still missing, please help me. I mean, and you also kind of have to feel for whoever was investigating her case, like all the detectives and whatnot, because... I mean, what do you go on? There was nothing except for what Christy was saying. And they can't pin anything to Christy other than, you know, maybe not fighting her hard enough to get her back in the car. They did get a lead in 1993 when a man who lived in the Miami Township area contacted detectives and told them that he had seen a man in a pickup truck 
near a lake called Lake Isabella in late December of 1989. He said that this man dug a grave and then buried what appeared to be a woman's body wrapped in a blanket. He also said that he saw a missing person's poster for Karen and that that was the woman he saw the truck driver bury. So this dude just saw like a whole murdered woman apparently be buried and just like was whatever about it for four years. Yeah, I'm glad, like okay. I, I'm glad we're on the same wave here that and that you pick up on things like this because this is just I could not imagine seeing something like that and just going on with my merry way. Like okay, yeah, yeah, nothing to see there. That sounds like someone who wanted to insert themselves into a case. So this truck driver then takes police to the area where he claimed to have seen Karen buried, and the area was searched, but there was nothing to suggest that Karen or anyone else had ever been buried there. Called it. So naturally, they start looking at this truck driver as a possible suspect, which I feel like, you know, is reasonable. They just kind of have to do. Yeah. Just make sure. (laughs) This lead wasn't released to the public until 1996, and the truck driver being a possible suspect wasn't released to the public at all, although he did stay on the police's radar for years. Nothing ever came up that would link him to Karen's disappearance. Wow. So it just makes you wonder, like, did he see anything? What did he see if he did see it? Did he have the right area where he saw something? Like, lots of things <sighs> Yeah, I wonder. I mean... If he saw another truck driver do it, wouldn't he see like a license plate or anything? And he, if you know, if he's getting a long enough look to see that it was Karen, like, would he not be able to provide any identifiers about this other truck driver? Like he's he's sitting there watching it, like to to like you said to know that oh yeah, I saw this girl on a poster and it was her. He was staring for a while. Yeah, you know, because you don't look quite the same when you're dead so i i can't imagine that he would have been able to tell that it was her if that event did really happen also with them calling this guy a truck driver i'm assuming they mean like a semi-truck driver right like a long-haul trucker type thing yeah so it's like this man had her in a pickup truck near a lake why is this guy driving a semi near a lake why, w- why would you be over there? Yeah, you're there's, usually not on back roads too often. That is pretty there's a weird. Lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on with this guy. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so several years went by and there were no new tips or leads on the case. And the police made a couple of appeals to the public asking for information, but nothing came in. Oh my gosh, Rachel. This, this, this part of the story is just... Made me so angry. Uh, (laughs) Does it get spicy? Yeah. uh, This this person I'm about to talk about, I thought about looking into to see if we could do a whole episode on him. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're really serious. So yeah, several years went by and there were no new tips and no new leads until 2000 when a man called Richard and Diane's old phone number that had since been assigned to a new household. So they're getting this phone call from this guy. Uh, He called the number and left a voicemail stating that he knew that their daughter was buried in Renfro Valley, Kentucky, which I cannot imagine. Like, you're just some random family and this is left on your voicemail. Yeah, that's a lot. Talk about, wow, yeah. And good on them for, like, I'm guessing reporting that so it could get... (laughs) 
to where it needed to go, you know? Yeah, there are some people who might have maybe thought it was a prank or something. Like, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe back in the day, people took these things more seriously than maybe someone would now. Yeah. like Or because, if yeah. they were, depending on how local it was, they could have known about the case, you know? So oh, maybe yeah. that too. Depending on the details in the right. voicemail. Because in my head, I'm just thinking like the voice is saying, your daughter is buried here. Click. But like there, there is probably something leading up to it with names or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I know what you mean. So <laughs> this will, this will come in, uh. <laughs> this will come in handy later what no this is important to know (laughs) for later uh the call came from a gas station in hamilton county ohio so this new family gets this voicemail and they're freaked out but i guess after the shock wore off they realized that the person was trying to reach richard and diane and they reported it to police this new possible lead led to another lead after the story made headlines again Kate Harner, an accountant from Union County, Ohio, called and claimed that she offered a ride to a woman that was walking down the side of I-275 in late December of 1989. While she was talking to the woman, Kate says that a red pickup truck pulled up beside them and that this red pickup truck had Kentucky license plates. The woman acted as if she recognized the man and waved Kate off, prompting Kate to just assume that this woman did know the man in the truck and that she was just going to get a ride with him. A red pickup truck. We had a red sports car and now we have a red pickup truck. Different shapes, but Different very shapes. interesting. interesting indeed so i'm guessing she did she like identify karen at all like could she look at her and be like oh yeah that's her i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna get to that okay okay i'm waiting that was was my next little (laughs) (laughs) she says that she did not realize the significance of this until she saw karen's face on a missing persons poster and claimed that the woman she saw walking that night was karen oh wow she says that she called the police to report this at the time but that they never returned her call wow i have lots of questions here they would do the do the police not have a voicemail box i mean the county they must have it makes you wonder like were they really that busy that they couldn't get back to her i mean that's kind of a big deal kentucky license plates and red pickup truck also like no no offense to miss kate if you're listening to this but does this county not have a non-emergency line yeah i feel like if i had this information even if I had to go up to the police department myself in person, I would want to make sure that these people knew what right. I was saying. Like, here's this information that you should probably know about. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, want to make sure they knew as well, because that's kind of a big deal. But yeah, so she heard about the tip about Karen being buried in Kentucky, and she felt like she should contact the police again to remind them of her tip from 1990. Like, hey, put in a tip 10 years ago. Let me know. kate might have really seen karen getting into a red pickup truck with kentucky plates but the tip about her being buried in kentucky turned out to be a prank a prank thing i was yeah this is the thing i was prank dog this is what i was bringing up earlier when i said this part like what i what i was building to makes me so angry this is this is the guy that like i might do an episode on if there's enough information Maybe it's all here now. Who knows? But the news, pro- 
The news programs played the voicemail on the air, and someone alerted the authorities after they recognized the voice. The caller was a 54-year-old man from Hamilton County, Ohio, the same place the call came from. He was named, is named, I don't know, I don't know if this dude's dead, uh, Larry Mullins. Apparently, I hate this, I hate this so much, Rachel. Apparently, he made a hobby out of watching the news and writing in a journal about tragedies. He would wait until years after the event and would then call the families of the missing or deceased just to mess with them. Oh, that's fucked up. That's yeah. almost as bad as being a murderer. Like, getting your jollies off of essentially torturing someone who's either murdered or missing's family. That's fucked up. And Larry, you're a piece of garbage for that. But wait. There's more. Oh, it gets worse. Detectives searched his house and guess how many journals they found, Rachel? Just give me a quick estimate. I'm going to go with 250. 230. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> you've always you've always been good with the numbers here on <laughs> Sweepers and Reapers I'm podcast. the numbers guy. I was gonna, I was waiting for you earlier to be like, let me look up how much seven dollars was worth in 1989. <laughs> no, I, I just knew it wasn't enough to run away with. That's all I knew. So it was estimated that Larry Mullins had called over 100 of these families. That's fucking gross. Yeah, that's actually nasty of him. Yeah, Larry, if you're listening to this, <laughs> Larry, if we you're listening you. to this, you we don't suck. like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For Karen's case specifically, he was sentenced to 45 days in jail and was fined $500. Oh, good. Which personally, okay. I feel like isn't enough, but I don't really know what they would charge him with for something like this. It's just gross. Um, It could be something about an investigation, like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, right. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but maybe throwing an investigation off, whatever the legal term <laughs> For but that, obviously, harassment. But yeah, like oh, for sure. I'm sure they yeah. could press charges too if they if the family wanted to. But I'm glad he uh, glad he got served. So that happened in 2000, and that was an absolute doozy. And uh, there were no new leads until 2009. In 2009, detectives came forward and said that they had a suspect, and that this suspect's arrest was imminent. They oh, wow. said that they found the suspect by rechecking the case file and rechecking all of the leads they had received over the years. The name of the suspect was not released to the public. Okay. Um, I mean, that's pretty vague and sounds kind of convenient, but... <laughs> like, oh yeah, we're yeah. gonna get him, we're gonna arrest him, but can't tell you who they are. Yeah, uh, that imminent arrest was never made oh okay. it is now 2021 a little over a decade later and 31 years after karen's disappearance and her family still does not have any closure wow that's terrible and that was the last lead the last thing they said was we're making an arrest and then they never made an arrest that's actually horrible and i feel for her family that really sucks the police believe that Karen is dead and that they know who killed her. So they they believe like, yeah, we have the suspect and we, we know who did it. And I'll get into that in a second. Uh, we're we're going to we're going to get back into the man 
with the red sports car for a second and how he comes back into play with the story. So this suspect was never publicly identified, but sources say that it is the man in the red sports car. His story conflicts with Christie's, and although Christie's recounting of events has never changed, his has multiple times. And it's just believed that he was able to manipulate the polygraph test. But couldn't the same be said about Christie? Oh, but but just you wait, Rachel. Okay, okay. <laughs> Here I am, waiting. <laughs> The man in question was in his 20s. He told police that he knew that Karen and Christy had been fighting. Christy says she never spoke to him and that she only waved him off. The only possible way for this man to have known about that argument was if Karen told him about it. Huh. Yeah. Okay, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. Sources say that this man knew things about the case that he could have only known if he were the kidnapper and or oh, killer. Stuff that wasn't released, that's always a sign. He knew of things that were never released to the public, and according to one of his friends, the man was referring to Karen as the girl missing from I-275 before Karen had ever been reported as missing. That's always weird when, they, when they're like talking about it and saying things that they wouldn't know unless they were close to the case. That's creepy. Do you think he did it? I think he did it. You think it was just a crime of, like, opportunity? He just saw her pissed off and needing, you know, a warm place to go to? I don't know. I wonder about those things a lot. Like, if he did kill her, mm-hmm. as he killed other people, like, why Why do these things happen? Yeah, that's very random. If it was just random. a one-off thing, why was it a one-off thing? Not that I want more people to die or anything, but you know what I mean? Like, why this? Why now? Did they ever release his name? No, they never released his name. Oh, that's extra weird. Yeah. Normally, if you're a prime suspect in a murder investigation, you definitely have your name released. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't, I don't know why his name was never released to the public, but they never did that. And they have no physical evidence, but they are still convinced that he is the person who killed her. Um, He later said that he did, in fact, see Karen walking down the road and offered Karen a ride, saying that Karen was the one who refused his offer. So with that story, that means that he was the last person known to ever see Karen alive. I mean, maybe also Christy got the cars confused and he came up to her asking if she needed help. To try and prey on her before he saw Karen or something like that? Or after? Like, I don't know. He seems sus now. (laughs) It's going to get even more sus uh, because sources say that this man's car was cleaned twice on the day that Karen went missing. Then the car disappeared. The vehicle's title was never transferred over, meaning the car was never sold, but the insurance was canceled on it before the car was never seen again. Oh, so you think he just destroyed it? Like, maybe he had it scrapped or something? That's very sketchy. Or, like, and threw it And the in fact a that it was cleaned twice? Yeah. Usually you don't need to clean your car more than once in a day. <laughs> That's <laughs> odd. I just can't wait until the day we have merch and it's t-shirts with stupid quotes like, usually you don't have to clean your car more than once in a day. (laughs) I'll put that on a t-shirt. Nothing else is on the shirt. And it's in like a really stupid looking font too. Like one that's almost not readable. 
Oh, Comic Sans works too, I guess. We can have like the podcast logo in Comic Sans. That'd be funny. <laughs> oh man, well, do you have any more details for me or am I just going to have to suffer with that? I do have more. That? I do have more. Okay, okay. The Claremont County prosecutor said that they would likely be able to secure the man's conviction based on circumstantial evidence, and they then asked the family if they'd be willing to accept him receiving lesser charges if it meant that they'd finally receive the location of Karen's body. So, like, they were going to offer this man lesser charges. Like a plea deal, I gotcha. Yeah. If the family was okay with it? Yeah, and they were. So Karen's family told them that they were completely fine with that, uh, but charges were never filed and the case remains unsolved. That's so fucking weird, especially considering that they announced that they had someone. Yeah. It's just like a lot of stuff like, why was his name never released? Like, why, why can't are you the police offering department this? communicate? Yeah. There's you know, a lot. Just, this, this case is still unsolved um, if you listen to this and you have information please call the Miami Township Police Department or Crime Stoppers. Uh, and I feel the need to throw this in here. Karen was last seen wearing a lavender shirt with a black jacket and blue jeans. She was blonde and had hazel eyes. And at the time of her disappearance, she was 5'1 and weighed 120 pounds. That is definitely a good bit to include. Um, if you have any information, Angel just led you right to the people to give it to <laughs> thank you so much for taking us on that journey it, it sucked i won't lie yeah the whole it, it was a really it was very bummer journey. case but super interesting i definitely I, I think i started out thinking christy had more to do with it than maybe she actually does but her her whole story is is still a bit sus to me but if the police have done what they feel like is their due diligence on this sports car man then i suppose we should believe them thank you so much again angel for preparing this episode for us uh you did a great job as always <laughs> if you would like to like our facebook page we are on facebook as sweepers and reapers podcast uh our instagram and twitter handles are both at sweep and reap you can probably hear the tractor driving down my road. Thank you, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeehaw. Um, and we have a Gmail if you want to send us emails about how cool we are or case suggestions. <laughs> uh, it's sweepers and reapers. Sweepers and reapers, like A-N-D is spelled out, at gmail.com. And that is it for me. Uh, we hope you... Uh, didn't grow too bored during our absence. I know we're the most entertaining podcast in your feed. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for st sticking around, everybody that has. And we're going to be back with some super exciting content now that my lovely co-host is alive again. <laughs> I I was never dead, but thank you. I appreciate that so Theoretically. much. <laughs> theoretically uh, allegedly allegedly um, all right guys thank you so much for listening bye bye